Thanks, Sean. So welcome again. And uh, I just want to thank the ladies that were in Melbourne um, for being part of what God is doing here today and, uh, and for more that will come later as they share in uh, what might flow and also in ministry. I'm quite thing about when God speaks. And God speaks a lot, but we don't always pay attention, or at least speaking for myself. But as a fellowship, we seek to hear what the Lord is saying. And when we meet on a Saturday morning for prayer, we say, what is the Lord saying to you this week? And, and each of us, as a part of the body here, I believe, has an ear that the Lord would want to speak to. And so we need not be shy about saying, I think the Lord might be saying. And share that in your small groups. Share that if you feel to on, in your Facebook group, to the church, to the leadership because sometimes, like I was expressing before, things are happening that God is putting his hand on and we're not picking it up because we're not looking for it or listening for it. And sometimes the Lord will speak to us through someone beside us. And that person beside us might just make a throwaway remark and suddenly there's power in that remark. Just reminded me, Lee might share some of that later wherever she is where'd she go oh there you are <laughs> it's all right lee it's me being me it's okay <laughs> um when we were when we were ministering to one another in in melbourne there was just a word that was just dropped in that suddenly lee went boom and, and it was like the holy spirit was in that word and another time hannah was <laughs> on the floor flat on her back having a wonderful time with the lord and the Lord just said to me, just touch her feet. And I touched her feet and it was like she got plugged into an electric. <laughs> she shot her. And Lee said, God just told me to do that. I should have done that. And so it's that kind of thing that when we're with the Lord and when we're doing things together, that God moves and does things that he doesn't always do when we're on our own. So I, I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters in Jesus, members of this awesome fellowship called Pine Rivers Vineyard. When we're together, listen for what the Lord is saying so that it will bless those that he wants to bless as you share it. This Bible that I brought today um, was given to me by a, a United Methodist minister in a little place called Fort Wayne, Indiana. And it was somewhere about 1990, I was trying to find a photo of a gathering I was at in America and out of that, the Lord told me to go and visit some churches in the following year. And one of the ones I was asked to visit was this church in Fort Wayne, Indiana, that Larry Houseman was the minister. And the Lord caused lots of blessing to flow. And he gave me this Bible, which is a Thompson Chain Reference Bible, New International Version. And it's, it's one that I use occasionally. I pick it up and look at it. And it reminds me of the special times that I had in, in that season of life. And one of the things it reminded me of was one of the other churches that I visited 
that the Lord told me to visit. After I'd been to this conference in Atlanta, the Lord told me to go back to North America three times in the following 12 months to visit some particular places. And he told me to write to these ministers in my own hand, not dictate it and have it typed, which was my want at the time. I'm going back nearly 30 years now. And I was like, I don't want to write longhand. I just want to dictate it and it'll all happen. But the Lord said, I want you to write to these people and pray for them daily and visit them three times in the next 12 months. They didn't have to do anything. It was just God's agenda for me to love on them and bless them. And this Larry was one of them. And, and the, the blessing back to me was that he handed me this and asked the Lord to bless what I might do with it. So there's a blessing flowing from then to here today as I use this Bible. I believe that. I believe that's how God works. One of the other churches, and I'll, this is part of the story leading into my message today, so I'm not on too far of a tangent yet. But one of the other churches was a little church down in Georgia. This was up in Indiana. And this little church in Georgia, it was um, being pastored by a guy called Ron Fernihoe. And Ron was a new minister in the United Methodist Church. He hadn't been out long and he had a charge, as they call it over there, like a parish where he had two churches in it. One was a little church. It was like picture postcard stuff, a little white building in the middle of the, the woods surrounded by pine trees. And, and it was on his way to his home where we were going for the night. I just visited and the Lord said to me, I'll tell you what to say when you get to see these people. And so we're driving towards his home and he said, David, can we pull up and pray over this little church? He said, it's got eight people in it. He said, I can't grow it and I can't kill it. He said, it's going nowhere. Can we pray? I said, sure, we can pray. I mean, prayer, prayer is good. Talking to God and see what happens. So we, we pulled up and he said, oh, I forgot the key. I said, doesn't matter, we'll just walk around it. And we walked around it and we prayed. We got back in the car and went home and to his place and his family were on holidays and he'd come back from holidays to pick me up to take me to his place for a day or a night and then to pray together and then he was going back on holidays and he was going to drop me at a McDonald's for someone to pick me up and take me to another part of Georgia. So I'm unpacking my bag in the bedroom and I said, Lord, what's the word you've got for me for Ron? And uh, the Lord just suddenly showed me a, a wall and it was stacked with coffins on top of one another with the ends facing out and Ron was standing there and as he spoke it was like this power of the Holy Spirit came from his mouth and hit the top right hand coffin on the end and as it did the end of the coffin flipped open and there was a dead heart that suddenly came alive and then it was like dominoes went all the way down the Lord said to me, dead hearts are going to come alive through the power of my word through this man. So I thought, that's pretty cool. So I went out and I said, Ron, this is what I feel like the Lord has said to give you, to share with you. He said, I'll have that. And that was about as complicated as the visit got. And the, the other part of the instruction the Lord gave me was that I was to minister to these people by praying for them and writing to them and visiting them. But they didn't have to do anything in terms of response to me. So three months later, I took Carol with me on our next trip back to visit these people. And Ron and his wife met us at, at Atlanta Airport and picked us up to drive us to their place. And he said, you'll never believe what's happened. I said, what's that? He said, I should have told you. I said, no, no, no. The deal was 
I visit, God does, and we talk about it then. He said, you know that little church I couldn't kill or grow? He said, we're going there for fellowship tea. I want you to see what God has done. He said, the next Sunday, I got up to speak, and he said, same sort of preparation, same sense of this is what I think God's saying. And the eight people in the congregation, they usually just sit there like sort of nicely blocks of wood. He said, I invited them if they wanted to to come to the altar rail. And the little church had had a rail along the front. He said, they all got up and came to the front and they started to cry. He said, that church is now 80 people. It's gone from 8 to 80 in a few months. He said, and it's all the people that no one would want. He said, it's the drunks, it's the drugs, it's the... All, all the broken people. And it, Carol didn't know the story until we got there and we shared fellowship too with these people and it was like having a feast in heaven. It was just incredible. Dead hearts came alive through him just speaking with the power of the Holy Spirit to the congregation and then God exploded that church. I don't know how they did it. I don't know whether they went out and knocked on doors or whether those people just walked down the street and someone said, tell me where you're going. I don't know. All I know was God did it. And dead hearts came alive. I parked that. One other thing the Lord spoke to me about some years ago, somewhat 30 or more years ago. He showed me a picture of the map of Australia. Some of you have heard this story. But the Lord's prompted me to share it again. I, I'd been to South Africa on visiting one of these people that the Lord had told me to visit to Zimbabwe. And when I was coming home, I, well, back up a notch, I was there and I was a bit frustrated that the witch doctors were getting all the, all the credit. And so I was speaking at a group of, um, again, United Methodist people. And um, these were uh, indigenous to Zimbabwe. They were black people. And they were loving the Lord and we were all together. It was about 800 in a big tent. And, and I prayed for someone afterwards and I said, you know, the, the Lord's going to heal you. They said, oh, if he doesn't, oh, the witch doctor will fix it next week. And I was so shattered. And I was, Lord, this is not right. This is not how it's meant to be. And so the next day I went into this massive warehouse, which is where the witch doctors went for all their gear. And I went in and I looked, you know, they buy their crumbed this and crushed that and whatever else they had to use. It's their stuff that they throw on fire and make it do all the things they do. Anyway, all the, all the d demonic stuff. And I walked into this warehouse and I said, Lord, I declare your victory over all of this stuff that it will all not work. When they buy it, it'll be a dud. And I, and I felt like that was the Holy Spirit prompting me to pray like that. Now, I don't know what happened after that, but I think there are a few pretty upset witch doctors, I really do, because I think their stuff wasn't going to work. I'm coming home on the plane. I said, Lord, what is the spirit over this nation, that nation and this nation? And I got off the plane and Carol met me, which was nice of her. I'd been away. She was, she was driving in those days and met me at the airport. And, and she handed me a book. She said, I got this book while you're away. I thought you might like to read it. It was, it was a book on spiritual warfare and it actually listed the spirit that someone in Zimbabwe had declared was probably over that nation. And I said, it was in the book. And I said, thank you, Lord, you've answered my prayer from the aeroplane to landing in Brisbane. 
so that I could pray for that nation. And then I said, Lord, what's the spirit over Australia? What's the spirit holding us captive? And the Lord said, I'm, I'm waiting for something like, you know, murder or something to do with our heritage and uh, anger and unforgiveness. And, you know, I was trying to, I, I was picking them out of the, off the list of what I thought it might be. And the Lord just said to me, David, the spirit over Australia is called suburban materialism. I said, what, Lord? Do you mean you want to have me move out of my house? He said, no, not yet. There was a yet on there, which I didn't pick up at the time. Anyway, the Lord said, no, this is a spirit that is holding the, the nation captive. It's called suburban materialism. And I thought, yeah, the great Australian dream is to own your house in the suburbs. It's kind of like this was the thing that was behind this. So I said, wow, Lord. And he said, but it's not time yet. And, and he, then he showed me a picture of like a map of Australia. It was sort of like a 3D kind of flat picture. I, I can hardly describe it any better than that. It was like I was looking at a map of Australia and over the map of Australia was an inflated silk sheet. It was inflated and when you looked up, it, you didn't see it. It looked like the sky. But there was actually this spirit over the nation. And this is the spirit of suburban materialism. And the Lord said to me, there'll be a time when there'll be a, you'll start a tear. And so it was like, not yet. Some time later, I don't know, within the 12 months, I think, I was asked to go and speak up at a... Oh, and the Lord showed me, it, it started with... It was like a hem around it. For those of you that are sewing people, you know that a hem is, makes it harder to tear. But it was silk. But the, the tear had to be done. And once the tear happened, it just peeled back. And the tear was on the north coast here of Brisbane, the Sunshine Coast. And to be specific, it was right out from Montville. I believe that's where the tear was to start. And the tear would just release Australia from this hold of suburban materialism that would let us see God and not be caught under what is the spirit over the nation. The night I was asked to go up and speak at Montville, it was in that in the hall which Uniting Church was using at the time, but it was an ecumenical gathering. And so all the churches were together and they asked me to go and speak up there. And on my way up, the Lord said, tonight you can declare war on the spirit of suburban materialism. I was like, okay, that's cool. So I, I get up there and I finish speaking and I said, I feel like the Lord said tonight we can start the tear. And before I could say anything, a guy put his hand up. He said, can I share something? I said, sure. He said, I haven't been a Christian very long, but he said, the other night I was praying for Australia and he said, and I saw... A picture like a wall full of coffins and he said as I was praying for the country the coffins all burst open and hearts came alive in them absolutely you know it's absolutely absolutely so it's sort of I, I said I think this is a sign of renewal and revival <laughs> that when the Lord shows a picture like that he's about to move and do something now that's many years ago I thought Australia would be fully refreshed in the Lord by now but something started back then up there. And there's been a lot of movement of the spirit on the Sunshine Coast and around about that area. But it hasn't yet reached all of the nation of Australia. 
I still hold in my heart the fact that I believe that will happen as this is peeled back and the Holy Spirit touches hearts. My reason for that introduction this morning is that I believe the Lord wants to talk to us about hearts and what has happened to our hearts as a collective people in this nation, as a people who have been isolated, as a people who have been following what we believe is what we're supposed to do, is we've, we've the enemy has <clears throat> placed over our hearts a whole lot of stuff that's a bit like what was over Australia. You don't see it, but it's there. And that stuff is other things other than Jesus. And, and that our hearts are compromised because it's not just Jesus that our heart is given to. It's not just Jesus that our hearts are embraced by. There's these other things that have come to want to add to <clears throat> our life experience to bring about what we think is what we want or what we believe is appropriate for us and for our friends. So the hearts have become inclined to lean into other offerings around what is all Jesus. I love that first song we sang. I just can't help myself. It's been playing over in my head for the last two weeks. Jesus is all sufficient. And so part of the... And this is not, this is not picking on anybody. This is what's been happening. It's a bit like the frog in the bottle, you know, the frog in the beaker where you put the frog in cold water and you just heat it up and it, it stays in there and dies because they don't feel the change. Hearts can be like that. And I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us that it is, it is time for our hearts to be set free. Like the chains would fall off. We, we didn't do anything about that. That was done by God. The chains came off and hearts were reinflated to their full potential with Jesus, by Jesus, for Jesus. Two words came to me out of the conference in Melbourne. Freedom and boldness. Both of them together are what I believe God wants to release into us as a fellowship. And I believe they are part of what our hearts are going to feel and know as we have the Lord's victory over the things that have just coagulated around our hearts. I haven't looked at my notes yet, and I know we've got a short time, so I better pricey some of this. But the thing that I'm wanting to lead to now is in John 14, we read these words. This is where Jesus is speaking to his disciples. John chapters 13 through 17 are some of the most precious parts of the Bible because it's the time when Jesus is leading up to his crucifixion and he spends a lot of time talking to his disciples. If you've got a Bible and it's got red print, that's nearly all red print through those pages. It's like Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And this is, this is at a time when their world is about to explode. It's all going to go wrong based on what they thought it was going to be like. And so Jesus is speaking to them in this season just before he goes to be crucified and, and resurrected. And he says these words in 
John 14, verses 23 to 27. And there's a couple of bits in here I want to point to. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Have you ever read that before in the Bible? Did you realise that? That the Father and Jesus want to come and make their home with us. Conditional upon only one thing, that we obey Jesus' teaching. Now that's not the Ten Commandments and all of what's written in the New Testament. That's summarised in love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as well. That's it. It's all caught up in that, Jesus said. So if we do that, God and Jesus will come and live with us. Let me go on. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Note this. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That was the verse the Lord kept repeating to me over and over. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus is giving us a choice here. This is, we get to say, okay, I choose not to have my heart be troubled and I choose not to be fearful. How do we do that? In times of uncertainty and things of substance being shaken, there's a definite more shaking coming to the disciples here. Jesus' invitation is to choose not to be troubled or afraid. Obeying his teaching leads to both he and the Father coming and making a home with us. Equally, not loving Jesus disqualifies us as a place of abiding for the Father and the Son. That's black and white simple. I, I'm, I'm all for that if it's possible. We can't obey if we don't love him. That's probably the thing that really kind of zeroed in for me over time as... I'd choose to obey God but then I'd sort of back off a bit because I wasn't sure about him. If he asked me to walk off the end of the jetty, was I sure he was going to catch me? No. So I'd get so far and I'd hold up. And I think that's what the world does to us. It, it takes away our confidence in what we think God is going to do. Because does he really love me that much? As the, the enemy said to Adam and Eve in the garden, did God really say that? Did God really say he loved you unconditionally? Did God really say that what Jesus has done is enough for you? Did, did Jesus say what I'm going to do for you is going to make it right with the Father? Did Jesus not say that the Holy Spirit is going to come and be our comforter and our guide? Did he say that? Well, yeah, but... Maybe there's something I'm missing. Maybe there's something else I've got to add to that to be okay. Is his grace really sufficient for me? I question that for me. 
because I know me. How could God be that gracious to someone like me? I'm being very serious when I say this because I know me and I know that I'm not pure and white on the inside. I want to be, but I'm not there all the time. Some days I do pretty well. Other days I'm not doing too well at all. But his grace is sufficient, is it? Does he love me that much? Does he love you that much? Or do we need to add a little bit to it? Like, okay, Lord, I know you said what you did for me is sufficient and I know that it's all supposed to work, but what else have I got to do for you today to be okay? What other fresh revelation do I have to have to be okay? What, what, what laws that have been passed that require this of me, are they, are they from you, Lord? Do I need to sit within those? These are all questions our hearts ask when we're not sure about the totality of the love of God for us and to let ourselves be fully given to that love that is for us. Jesus said, the Father's grace is sufficient. So, I don't think we can obey if we fully obey if we don't know that we're fully loved. So that's the first step, is know that we are fully loved. Jesus speaks of our capacity to obey and receive life in all its fullness. It's conditional upon our hearts being fully given to Jesus in a love response to understanding and receiving the Father's unconditional love as expressed towards us in Jesus. It's like Jesus and the Father are one. John 17 there's a, is, is a beautiful scripture to read. It's where Jesus is praying to the Father for us before he goes to be crucified. And in it he says, Father, I want us to be one with them and them with us. It's a oneness. It's a connectivity that's a heart connection that the Father and Jesus yearn to have with us. Jesus prayed for it. He aches for it and he still aches for it for each one of us every single day. And he also said that the way that we stay connected to that love and the power of that love is staying connected to Jesus. John 15, the vine and the branches. It's an organic connection. Jesus said, you can't do anything if you don't stay connected to me. Fully connected, where we suck life from him to us. We don't have like some of those trees that throw out a, a branch and plant it somewhere else to, to get a bit more of something. That's what our hearts can do. But that's not what they're meant to do. They're meant to just be fully absorbed into the vine, into Jesus. And let the power of Jesus' love flow into us from that one source alone. That's the kind of love that will change our lives and change the lives of people around us. John 15 tells us that. Our lives are meant to be organically interconnected, pulsing, fruitful overflow of his love into us and then out from us. You like that? I wrote that. Our lives are meant to be an organic, interconnected, pulsing, fruitful overflow of his love into us and then out from us to others. 
John 15 rewritten in that. Sometimes in times of challenge, sickness and isolation, we question the love of God. One of the things that was shared in, in, um, in Melbourne was the issue of the time the Israelites spent in the wilderness, the 40 years. And for a lot of us, because it says that the ones that were disobedient had to die out before they got into the promised land, that was a part of it. But the other part of it was that in the wilderness, they had to depend entirely upon Jesus or on the Father, on God. There was, he was their sufficiency and Jesus was supplied as their sufficiency. Jesus was the bread from heaven. Jesus was the manna. And, and so while they're in the wilderness, they learned that they had to depend 100% upon God. No one else. He was the one that supplied the water out of the rock. He was the one that supplied manna every day from heaven, enough for the day. That's the other thing. Didn't save up for tomorrow except on the weekend when, you know, you didn't work on the Sabbath. But there was enough. And people that gathered too much only had enough. And people that didn't gather enough had enough. I don't know how that worked out, but that's God's equation, not mine. If you had stuff left over at the end of the day, it went rotten because it wasn't meant to be kept for the next day. You were meant to go fresh for the next day. As we're called to go fresh each day to Jesus now. What they learned in the desert is an application for life for us now. Go daily to the Father for his goodness. Go daily to Jesus for what we need. It's all there in him and from him for us. And so the wilderness is not a bad place. It's when we've got nothing but him. I got to pray with someone who was wanting to make a life-changing decision. Will I do this or will I do that? I'm not sure about that. I said, do you really trust God? He said, yeah. I said, well, do it. But what about? I said, I don't know what about. If you trust God for your future, trust him for your future. Full stop. If you start putting, as long as you do this, God, that's not trusting him might sound a bit irrational but I can speak from experience in some part in this that for years I saw a future that had abundance in material sources beyond my understanding I had it all worked out what it was all going to happen what it was going to look like how I was going to live in my old age well God saw to it that that wasn't going to happen he changed all that and I go wow I get up in the morning, it's a good day because I know you, Lord. And I've got enough for today, Father. Thank you, I'll try to get sorted out and do what you want me to do today and I'll expect that you'll probably turn up again tomorrow because you're faithful. And I've never felt so free. It's an amazing feeling. I haven't got to worry about what I do with my money because I haven't got any. I don't care about interest rates. They don't affect me. I've got nothing to earn on it and I don't have to pay anything on it. It's, it's, it's quite crazy from where I came from. And it's kind of like I'm living in the wilderness, but I'm not in the wilderness. I'm living in this place of it's all about you today, Lord, and thank you that it is all about you because you've got it all sorted. I haven't. 
And as the more I've engaged in this freedom, and I believe it's what the Lord wants us, I'm not saying everybody wants, the Lord doesn't want you all to go broke. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that we are invited into a relationship with the Father through Jesus. That is where Jesus is enough. He's enough for everything we want, for all of our desires that are from the Father. And even if we desire things that aren't from God, he'll let us know they're not from him. He won't drop us down a big hole. He'll just let us down gently and say, that's not such a good idea. God isn't about waiting to whack us with a baseball bat if we get it wrong. He wants to love on us in a way that's going to cause us to have freedom and boldness that we can be confident in the victory that Jesus has established in the heavens and in the earth over all the works of the darkness. I'm not talking about being a passive floater alonger. I'm talking about being someone who's alert to what Jesus said in John 17. He said, Father, protect them from the evil one. And he's given us the how-to of that. He's had the victory now and he said, you have victory in me. Tell the darkness to back off. Get away. Declare my victory in the moment and let me do what I want to do. I ache when I see outcomes that aren't the ones that I think are appropriate. When I don't see healing, when I don't see deliverance, I, I feel like somehow or other I've messed up or I've failed. But the Lord reminds me that it's his plan that's right for everyone. I've got to do my part, but let him do his part. One of the things that may well come as a, one of those tricky statements from out of the conference that you might hear is it's meant to be in ministry, in life, 100% us and 100% Jesus at the same time. And, and, you know, some of our old understanding might have been, and, and we've heard it right, when it's, we're meant to die to ourselves so that it can be all of Jesus. But the self we're meant to die to is the old self because the new self's born again and the new born again self is meant to be with Jesus and doing the stuff with Jesus all the time. Does that make sense? I tried to kill off my new born again self because I know I'm not 100% right. But God doesn't want me to do that. He wants me to grow into all of that plus Jesus with me to make it 100%, 100% awesome. And he wants you to be 100%, 100% awesome too. all about the heart I should finish the heart is at the heart of the matter in Isaiah 35 the prophet says this The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Listen to this. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, your God will come. Jesus was saying that to the disciples. It was said by Isaiah many, many years before. But it's interesting. He says, say to one another, don't let your heart be troubled. 
don't be afraid. Let me say that to you today. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Trust in God. He's got it sorted for you. Whatever that is, is good. It may not be what we ask for. That's the other part that we struggle with because we think we know what God's saying. We can ask for that and expect that. Well, it doesn't always happen. That's my testimony. But the more I trust, the more I trust his outcomes, even though they don't appear to be in accord with what I think is best for me. But my best life is my 100% of who I am with the 100% of Jesus who he is wanting to suck the life out of him because he's the vine that I'm the branch connected to. And the invitation today is to have your hearts be refreshed, reconnect into the vine, suck the life out of Jesus. It's for you. And I'm going to ask the ladies that were in Melbourne to come and pray over you that that you might be released to... Have your hearts released. I'll pray in a minute. Have your hearts released to... Hook into Jesus and suck the life out of Jesus for you into your heart today. That's what we want to impart. And nothing else. We we, we don't in any way recommend to you anything else but Jesus. Okay? Does that sound fair? It's a good deal. We just have to come and let him connect. Let him have us connect to him and trust him for what comes at the other end of that. And then we can be walking in freedom and in boldness because it's all about him. Amen.